Hey guys, it's Max Miller, Zach Zary, and Oakley Rose. Welcome to a well-placed cuss. Hello everyone, and welcome back to a well-placed cuss. We have another fairly unorthodox episode to, to give to you guys. Again, me and Zach are, are over Zoom today. Um, so only one of us has a mic, but that's all right. You can still hear Zach clearly, I hope. But uh, the snowstorm, it snowed again, and uh, we're too lazy to get in the studio. But this is a really practical way, especially for YouTube, to, to get our videos out there. So I don't know. You know, we might be we might be sticking with this format for a couple episodes. Who knows? You never know with WPC. But uh, we're here halfway through November. Zach, you guys just won the Hardy Cup for the Huskies. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I mean... It's another unorthodox episode as well. I mean, I'm on Zoom. Um, I'm, I'm at the university. Uh, I couldn't make my way over here. But, uh, you know, times are good. Oakley's out clearing some more snow. So in the wintertime, it's it's really tough to get them on here. But uh, me and Max uh, are, are good enough you know, to cover all, all the good sports that have happened this past week. Hopefully my audio is clear again, but uh, yeah, I mean, Zoom is nice and easy for the YouTube, so hopefully that is all good. Yeah, you can't 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 show you guys all of the office like we do or all of the studio like we do sometimes, but you, you get enough of a view with the Kobe jersey behind me and the quarter of our sign, so we're chilling. But uh, <laughs> we'll get into our uh, we'll get into the week that has happened. You know, of 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 a fairly big week. Um. I think we should probably start out with the most most prominent, at least in our lives right now, and that is that, ladies and gentlemen, the 109th Grey Cup that to take place in Regina is set. We got the halftime show. We got the two teams going up. We got I don't know what else. That's about all. But uh, I'm really, really, really excited. This is the prime of uh, of CFL postseason. And uh, in my opinion, we 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 got the two best teams going up for it. We got the Bombers, we got the Argos. I think that the Argos were the best team in the East. I think the Bombers were the best team in the West. You know, in our in our CFL uh, uh, playoff preview that we wrote on our website, go check that out. Uh, I actually have predicted that Great Cup. I mean, that's not that's not much of a brag. That was a pretty that was a pretty conservative pick to go with those teams. But uh, you never know in the CFL. And a couple of a couple of really entertaining games, though, like like just the definition of what postseason CFL is about. I thought the Montreal and Alouettes game was uh, was the lesser of the two, but that's just because of how good BC and Winnipeg was. But I mean, I thought that was a, I thought that was a, a really good contest. Like BC or BC Toronto kind of had the edge all game, but you know Montreal just wasn't going away, and uh, and Toronto ended up getting the getting the dub. So. They they represent the East in the Grey Cup. Zach, what'd you think of that game? I actually thought that was a more entertaining game, in my personal opinion. I thought Winnipeg in their game was should have been up. I think at halftime it was only sixteen eight. I could be completely yeah, off. Yeah, but like I couldn't believe it, that they weren't up by more. They honestly like that game should have been thirty nothing at halftime. Like it was ridiculous. Honestly, um, so in my personal opinion, I thought. The first game was more entertaining. I mean, the Argos and Alouettes. I mean, for the for an Argos game, not bad attendance. I mean, you'd love to see more, but I thought it was actually pretty good. The atmosphere was pretty good. Yeah, Winnipeg and Winnipeg and BC. On the other hand, I thought that was the loudest game I've heard all season. Um, the fans come to play in Winnipeg. Um, you love to see it as a CFL. I mean, we're Riders fans, but we love to see the attendance do well in the CFL, no matter what. Oh, always. Yeah, we're so, we're we're I would say we're we're CFL first. Like like we're definitely yeah. riders oriented, but like if even if the Saskatchewan Rough Riders disbanded and turned into like the Churchill Cougars or whatever the fuck, we would still be huge supporters and fans of the CFL. So we 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 just love to see it succeed in any way it can. Yeah, 100%. And I mean that Winnipeg game was I mean BC kept it close. I mean, down to the last drive, they they could have won. I thought Captain Canada was going to have this big comeback, and uh, or Kid Canada, they like to say, um, was going to have that big comeback and convert an, an extra point or uh, a two point conversion to get them to win. 
But uh, that Winnipeg crowd, like I mentioned, made a difference. BC couldn't hear. They ran off 25 seconds off the clock, tried to hear, and that final drive just couldn't get going because at the time they couldn't hear each other. Yeah. So big ups to the Winnipeg fans. Um, and that um, the first game, the Eastern Conference semifinal, I love, or final, I guess, you love to see the Canadian wide receivers, Curling uh, Giddens Jr., balled out for the Toronto Argonauts, the former Laurier product, balled yep. out. Um, and then uh, the Philpot over there in Montreal, Tyson, balled out for, for the Montreal. And I think those are the two best players on those respective offenses. I mean, Standback had a nice run there in the early uh, bits of the second half to get Montreal back into the game. But I thought the better teams won. But the two teams I didn't want to see in the Grey Cup, I really wanted to see BC Lions, Montreal, Alouette's final. Um, I just think those two uh, teams are, I, I don't want to say the future, BC's more of the future, but two new teams. I mean, I feel like we've seen Winnipeg obviously win two back-to-back Grey Cups and the Argos have been a pretty good team. But I thought, I just wanted to see BC, Montreal. I feel like that's, an unorthodox matchup, I mean, for a great cup. So I wanted to see it. Definitely. I know what you mean. For me, going to the Grey Cup, I was actually quite happy to see Toronto and Winnipeg. If I was watching it from home, I would agree that having the two unorthodox teams, like you said, would be a lot more fun. But going going to that game, I want it to be as close as possible, as like as as good of a game as possible. And I think that Montreal and BC would have would have made that game a lot maybe more fun but they aren't the two best teams and I kind of just I, I either want it's difficult as a Ryder fan because I'm supposed to hate the Bombers I kind of don't hate them and I almost want to see them win their win the three-peat because that'd be really cool to be at attendance for that but at the same time I'd also like to see them lose because as much as I hate them or as much as I love them I also kind of hate them so and I don't I don't like seeing the same team win, but like if that Bombers win three in a row, that's a dynasty right there. Like that is that team's gonna go down in 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 history for having just three outstanding years and like no question now. Like Mike O'Shea is a Hall of Famer as a coach, and there's there's a lot at play for what like because I'm going to the game if if anyone didn't know. Um, there's a lot at play for what uh, for what could have happened and this is like I said definitely the most conservative way that it went but I I'm kind of happy that the two best teams are in it early like well, who I think are the two best teams are in it because I think it'll make the most uh the most competition um I just going off of that too um I think yeah I just wanted to see Montreal or BC win more too I think those are two teams that I like I mean BC I like they... those teams too. I just, I just want to say that I don't like, like, I really don't like Toronto as I, I'm sure a lot of people know. And I mean, I'm fine with BC, but I really like Montreal and BC or I don't like Winnipeg, but I really like Montreal and BC. They're too yeah. Fun I teams. like, I like what BC is doing that owner. Um, I think is Amar something con maybe um, forget how, how, what his last name is. Um, but what he's done, he's spending money to make money. Look at that BC team. Look at the attendance they've got. Um, you'd love to see it. I mean, I would probably like Toronto more if they got more attendance and uh, the community cared a little bit more for them. But that's why I kind of like Montreal. Like Montreal, maybe not in the regular season, but they get they get it going in the postseason. Their fans come to play. They don't mess around. And, you know, you love to see that. But you mentioned you are going to the Great Cup. So i got to ask you, who are you cheering for? One. Two, what are you most excited for? And three, like, let's let's give your uh, prediction here. Because as a fan, I'm going to – I don't even know who I'm cheering for. Because if if either BC or Montreal would have won, I definitely would have been cheering for them. But I'm I'm kind of confused, to be honest here. Yeah, I, I'm definitely in the same boat as you. Like like I said, I was kind of hoping for this matchup because I said I think it will, would be the best football being played. Not the most fun, but the best. But like I think there, and I said this too, like there are two reasons why I want to see both teams win and why I want to see both teams lose. And sometimes with a game like this, I need to wait until I'm actually at the game 
And then I kind of, I'm settled. And then I find myself cheering for Winnipeg more, or I find myself cheering for Toronto more. And so sometimes I can't always just say straight up right now. And sometimes I need to wait for the game to get going to see. But, you know, like gut pick. I know it's not popular versus Saskatchewan fans, but I kind of want to see BC or uh, I keep saying BC. Kind of want to see Winnipeg get that three-peat a little bit, honestly. That would be, that'd be kind of cool. And it'd be, it'd be cool to be at that because I think that this year, hopefully, will be the last year of how dominant this BC team is. Or, yeah, I keep fucking saying BC. <sighs> Winnipeg. So, I think that this could be that their last chance to win a Grey Cup for a bit because they don't have a lot of young guys. Like, they have arguably the best young guy in the league in Dalton, shown. But, like, other than that, their O-line is old as hell. Zach Caleros is getting there. Adam Big Hill feel like he should be retiring soon. Willie Jefferson uh, t- took a step back this year, and I don't know if that was due to age or, or or what, but, like, their team's fairly old. And so I do think that this might be the last year Winnipeg is, like, the consensus favorite to win from start to end. But but I don't know. So it'd be cool to see that three-peat because, like, that's history being made. There's very, very few teams that have three-peated in the, in the CFL. And to see that, especially in a new climate, like the, like the new climate the CFL is right now, players are constantly changing. Teams are constantly changing. Like like one roster, like you can have a 53-man roster and that can, like half of that can change the next offseason. You know, you never know. So I do kind of think that, I do kind of think this is Winnipeg's uh, last dance to quote Michael Jordan. So I, I'm I'm slowly cheering for them, and I kind of feel bad for Zach Caleros, like just kind of the shit he went through in Saskatchewan with uh, just getting hit in the head all the time, getting all those concussions, and he wasn't the fan favorite, that was for sure. But uh, I don't know, subconsciously, I think I'm cheering for Winnipeg. And then what I'm most excited for, oh, the halftime show is going to be absolutely electric. No, I'm fucking kidding. That's, it's not going to be very good. It's going to be the lead singer of Florida Georgia Line, and two other country guys that I don't know who they are. I really didn't know who any of them were. I it, mean, was, just... it was, could have been worse. Could have been worse. Could have been better. Um, but I'm, no, I'm just joking. The halftime show is not part I'm, I'm most excited for. I'm so excited. But it would probably. Ah, oh, that's a good question. I haven't really thought about that before, but. Cause I don't really, I don't really get food when I go to games. And like, sometimes I like to say like the food. Cause I know Mosaic stadium has like some bomb ass food, but I don't eat food when I go to sports games. Cause I just can't justify paying $13 for a thing of poutine. I just like, no, no shot. So I would maybe say, I kind of, the one thing I'm excited to see is how Saskatchewan fans are going to react. Like when I walk in there, what's the whole mood? What's the vibe going to be like with Saskatchewan not being in, in the game? I want to see how fans react. Cause you, you know, you, there's going to be thousands of fans there who are Saskatchewan Rough Riders fans. Like I'm saying a large majority of fans there are going to be Rough Riders fans, hoping the riders were going to make it. So I think that I'm kind of excited for the guys around me, the climate, just kind of the whole, the, the whole vibe that's going to be there. I'm because I've never been to a game without Saskatchewan in there. So I'm I'm curious of what the stadium's gonna think. You know, who's gonna have the bigger roar when they when they score the touchdown? Is it gonna be the closer team? Is there gonna be the team that it's hated the least? You know, you never know. And then my prediction, Winnipeg. Easily. I would like easily. Okay, Max. There was a lot to digest there. I tried to get a word in, but you were on a roll. Um, <laughs> um yeah, I'm I'm excited for for you i would say is to just uh, yeah but to just ingest uh the atmosphere like you were pointing out the vibe because i know when i went to the vanier last year as basically a fan but also a part of the team that's what i was really like obviously we ended up losing but just taking the atmosphere taking everything that was there because you never know when you're gonna go back there um, we have a good shot this year, but you, you never know at that point in time. So you never know when the next Grey Cup game you're going to go to is. So uh, I'll say that. And then also Winnipeg, you mentioned it's the new age of the CFL is teams signing one-year contracts like the Toronto Argonauts 
building a team one year at a time and not con- continuously getting the same players. So I think for Winnipeg's sake, that just proves signing guys to the three-year contracts, two-year contracts, four-year contracts, keeping them a while, get that gel. I mean, you can see with the Chargers in the NFL right now, they have no gel right now. They have – and, like, that's just the NFL. But CFL is even a bigger difference, in my opinion. So I think if teams learn that, like, learn – Keep your guys, keep them. That's why Winnipeg's been so successful. And um, I'll pick up my, I'm going to be, I just made up my mind. I'm cheering for Toronto. I think I just like more of the players over there. I mean, it'd be kind of cool to see Andrew Harris maybe get a little bit of revenge on Winnipeg. I don't even want to call it revenge because it's not. Um, Yeah, I mean, Brandon Banks, uh, get his great cup. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like Brandon Banks. He's, he's the Antonio, I mean, to, to a lesser degree, he's the Antonio Brown of the CFL though. Uh, Garrett Davis. I mean, we got to mention him. He's made it to six straight great cups now. Like that is insane. No matter what league, even though there's nine players. Ridiculous. Um, What else was I going to say? Oh, and I feel like we have to talk about, like I mentioned X factors. I, but I just think, Prediction, I think Winnipeg is going to win. If you look at all their, like, player groups, like wide receivers, O-line, D-line, stuff like that, I think Winnipeg has a better player group for each or position group. I think they have a better position group everywhere. The I would are, argue except for running back. I, I would say Toronto has the best running back duo in the league. Maybe besides okay, Nixon yeah. and Morrow, honestly, though. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, that's fair. I even I completely forgot about Andrew Harris. But but I, I I will just say on top of that, Augustine and Oliveira are a really good duo too, though. Mm-hmm. But I was gonna say wide receivers. I think is the closest one. I mean, you got Dalton Schoen over there in Winnipeg. But if you look at Toronto, I mean, Gurligan's ju- uh, junior. Um, you got Brandon Banks there. Devaris um, Daniels. Devaris Daniels. Juan Breskison. Like you got you you got exactly. a lot of you got a lot of vets there. Yeah, so I would say maybe Toronto has that advantage, but you look at Dalton Schoen, he's the best receiver in the league at this time. You got the vet and Greg Ellenson. I mean, Drew Walatarski, the list can go on and on. So Rashid Bailey is also very underrated. Um, yeah, and then, but I, another X factor, I want to see that big, bad Toronto D-line led by Sean Oakman and Jagger Davis going against that big, bad offensive line with Winnipeg, because I think that's... That's going to be the difference maker, in my uh, personal opinion. I think so too. Yeah, battling in the trenches because I would say that 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 defensive front is um is like, uh, what's the word? Is is just the best part of Toronto's game, honestly. You know, if Sean Oak, like they have they have so- solid run defense. They they they're getting pressure to the quarterbacks. Uh, like you said, Sean Oakman, who's who should be in the NFL. Have to say that right now. Sean should arguably be a pro bowler in the NFL. Like, I'm not saying right now, but he has had a really weird journey into football. But uh I'm 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 really happy to have him in the CFL. So I had to say that. But that that Winnipeg O-line, I mean, like we've said, they've been so dominant. It's been absolutely insane, ridiculous to see what they've been able to do. And uh I'm uh I'm ex- I'm I'm excited like just 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 straight up. I'm excited to see how this is going to play out and I'm a trenches guy. I love seeing battles of the trenches cuz in my opinion, that's where football games are won. If you can't protect your quarterback, he can't make those throws. If you can't block for your running back, he's not going to get those yards. And if you're the defensive line, doesn't matter if you have uh who's a who's a famously bad quarterback in the CFL. All right, Buck Pierce. Buck Pierce. Even if you have Buck <laughs> Pierce throwing up there and you have Logan Bandy, I love you, Logan. I'm just got to use you as an example. And you have Logan Bandy blocking. It doesn't matter if your O-line is off. It doesn't matter if your O-line is or your D-line, sorry, is awful or great. If they can't get to the quarterback, he's still going to make a throw once, once, twice, three times, a, three times a drive. So it's... 
in my opinion, that's where it's won. That's where I'm excited to see the most and the best football being played is going to be in those trenches because that's where those teams thrive. Yeah, I think just to kind of wrap up our great cup talk and then we can move on to another big piece of news in the CFL really quickly. But I, I'm just curious for these matchups. I feel like there's lots of good matchups in this great cup. We mentioned the battle of the trenches. I think that's really good. Toronto's got maybe the biggest, baddest D-line in the CFL. And Winnipeg, without a doubt, has got the biggest, baddest O-line in the CFL. You got that front seven also in Toronto, led by Hinak Mwamba. Get him going after uh, Oliveira. Um, you got a really, really good part. Like, the best part of Toronto's offense is their wide receiving course against Winnipeg's got a damn good secondary, but that's probably the weakest yeah. link of their team, though, especially on that uh, uh, like, field how side. How crazy is that? I how know. crazy? Like, I'm like, like you, I can name off their entire secondary, and they could like all be all stars, and that is still their the one of their weakest team. points. It's ridiculous. So I think that's that'll be interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for you to go to that game. Um, what when are you going up there? Um, I think I'm just going to go up that Sunday and then, okay. uh, my grandparents, my, or my grandpa lives up there. Uh, shout out to him. I've mentioned him on the pod before I went to a game with him against BC earlier the year. Um, but we're just going to spend the night there. Me and me, 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 and my brother are going to the game. Me, me and my dad, we're going to, we're actually going to end up going to the game. But as soon as uh, Saskatchewan wasn't in the playoffs, I could yeah. feel him um, dreading having to go to that game. And I was, cause he's not a sports guy by any means, not, yeah. not even remotely. And my brother's not a big football guy, but even he's like, yeah, I'll go to the gray cup. It's the gray cup. I'm going to go to the gray cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm excited for that. And uh, yeah, honestly, I haven't, I haven't been thinking about it for since for two years when we were originally supposed to go in 2020, um, but it's going to be good, man. Yeah. I'm excited. I'll give you some pieces of advice for me. Yeah. One, prepare, prepare, buy a whole bunch of hot pockets to stuff to warm your feet. Be warm, put so many layers of clothing, bring a blanket, bring all that shit. Don't be cold at the great cup. Yeah. Two, I would go early, as early as you can Sunday and tailgate the fucking hell out of that game. Cause yes. you know, Winnipeg fans are going to be there. Saskatchewan fans are going to be there. That atmosphere is going to be, insane especially at regina i would do that fucking make sure you're eat before fucking make sure you're full do all that and enjoy the hell out of it hopefully you can post maybe a tailgating post for instagram or something like that um me max have talked we might do a great cup preview depending on timing and stuff like that i'm sure there'll be predictions posted somewhere max will post stuff at the Grey Cup. It'll be fun. Mm -hmm. Um, But transitioning out of the Grey Cup to a bit of CFL news that happened about an hour ago, uh, reported by Dave Naylor. uh, Shout out Dave Naylor. Yeah, friend of the show, Dave Naylor. (laughs) Um, Bo Levi Mitchell traded, his rights have been traded to the Hamilton Tiger Cats during Grey Cup week. I mean, the Grey Cup is in six days, seven days, six days? Six days. So, yeah, six days. So, Great Cup week gets a little bit interesting. Max, quickly give me your opinion here. Well, I won't. I won't go too far on this. Um, as I've stated before, you know there was a bit. There was a lot of rumors of Bo Levi coming to Saskatchewan. Wasn't a fan of that at all. Didn't like absolutely hate it, but he just wasn't. He he isn't what Saskatchewan needs right now. Um, so I was happy to see him not in the green and white. And also, he doesn't fit the culture. Bo Levi can go fuck himself. I don't. I don't care about that man. And also. This probably means that Fajardo's staying in Saskatchewan, keeping my fingers crossed. But this was so stupid for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They had Dane Evans, who they're paying half a million dollars to. They have Matthew Schiltz, who is proving to be arguably a starter in the league right right now. And now they have Bo Levi? That doesn't make any sense to me. Not confirmed, though. He cannot. He he might not end up signing in Hamilton. All all signs lead to him signing in Hamilton. I mean, yeah. why else would they trade for him his rights? Yeah, um, we've seen this happen in the past in the CFL as well. But um, yeah, I mean, what a turn of events for that Hamilton franchise having Jeremiah Mazzoli and Dane Evans to now 
what I think, what I mentioned, I think Dane Evans could possibly come in to Saskatchewan. It's either that or Cody Stain. I think Cody is probably Stain. I think it's 70% Cody Stain, but there's 30% of me that thinks Dane Evans is coming to Saskatchewan. I'd rather have Cody stay. I don't think – I mean, Dane Evans had a down year, but I think he he's not as good as Cody, obviously. But I think that is a, a great possibility here, especially if the Riders decide to blow this blow this thing up. That's That's really interesting. I never even thought about that. I like Dane Evans enough. He's got – I feel like he's he would be a good fit in Saskatchewan, actually. I think he would be a good fit in Saskatchewan. He's kind of quiet, humble guy. Emotional yeah. too, though. So. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a passionate guy. Yeah, passionate dude. Mm, that's a really good theory, actually. I did not think about that. My theory was that Matthew Schultz was getting a bunch of attention from another team. So maybe he'd awesome. be going somewhere else and Bo Levi would take over Matthew Schultz's spot. But Dane coming to Saskatchewan would actually make a good amount of sense, again, if Cody wasn't coming. Like you said, I think Cody's coming, and I hope Cody's coming. But that is a good theory that I I like that a lot, actually. I wouldn't wouldn't hate Dane coming. Like, I'd rather have Dane than Bo Levi. Like, make that right. Like, let's – like, I want to make that clear right now. I'd rather have Dane Evans come than Bo Levi come. He's younger. He has more potential. And in my opinion, at this moment, he's better than Bo Levi Mitchell. But – as we said, rather have Cody come, but that's a good theory. I like that theory. And I wouldn't hate it if it happened. Wouldn't hate it. Yeah. So, I mean, I we should, should have touched on – or I guess we did touch on it, but I thought it was important to touch on during this Great Cup and CFL talk. Definitely. Yeah, that's a, it's a big trade happening close to the Great Cup. Huh. Wow. Ah. Uh. I don't know if I want that anymore. I'm thinking about it a bit more now. I don't know if I want that. Honestly, if we're if we're if we're tearing it down, just start Mason Fine. Honestly, start Mason Fine. See if he can become the next five eight short god, and uh, see what we can do. But if we're not t- tearing the whole team down, then I kind of like Dane. But uh, I guess we'll see how the season progresses. We only got what I don't know, like eight months till the season the regular season starts again so it'll come up sooner than you think that's for sure but uh but yeah that'll make that'll make that'll make the offseason very interesting see what Hamilton's going to do with their three quarterbacks because even if it's not Saskatchewan he could be going somewhere else right huh interesting but um we will we'll get out of we'll we'll get out of CFL and uh, as we normally do we won't switch topics but we'll switch leagues We'll go into the NFL. Hey, everyone. Quick stop from our regularly scheduled program to give you guys a shout out to our sponsor, Betstamp. Betstamp has sponsored the podcast for uh, close to a month now. I think actually maybe even more. And uh, again, we're excited and uh, happy to be partnered with them. They are a great sports betting app. Whether you're a veteran or new to the sports betting game, Betstamp, I promise, is for you. They give you all the best odds for whatever kind of bet you want to make on any kind of sport you want to make. Like whether it's whether it's basketball, football, hockey, baseball, UFC, rugby, lacrosse, anything that you want to bet on, they have it. They have all the all the possible sports books that you can make so you have the best bang for your buck. It gives you a bunch of different options with, with different price points and different wagers so that if you're betting 20 bucks at Caesars but Bet Regal has a better option for you than you want to go with Bet Regal, Betstamp does that for you. Uh, you know, you can go to their website, but, uh, you know, downloading their app is the best way to get the most out of out of what they offer. And uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll send you back to well-placed cuss, but make sure to use code WPC when uh, when you get the Betstamp app to, sh- to help support us and the show as well as them. So thank you so much. Thanks, Betstamp. And back to well-placed cuss. Thank you, Betstamp. Thank you for sponsoring the video and uh, giving us bigger platform and all that fun stuff. We always appreciate it, and we appreciate it if you guys would use WPC, as we previously mentioned. Uh, when you sign up for Betstamp, help support us, help support them, and everyone involved. Thank you very much. So as we said, we'll move on to the NFL now. And, um, you know, our teams had a couple of different outcomes this week, didn't they? And it might not be what most of you guessed. As you know, I'm a fan of the Steelers, and Zach is a fan of the Chargers. And the Steelers beat the Saints yesterday 20-10. to 10. Now, as you know... 
I am in favor for the Steelers to lose as many games as possible this year, and I don't like this win at all. It didn't show anything. It showed Kenny Pickett, again, just being mid, using his legs. It showed uh, Najee Harris just having not another great game, not another great year. Actually, this game wasn't too bad. He had 99 yards, but he only averaged five yards a carry. That wasn't great. And, um, like, the like again, Deontay Johnson, 63 yards. That was the most the receiver had that game. This is the issue. No matter how many games that the Steelers win, like, whatever they do, this is still the issue. They they don't have an offense. They just don't. So, it's, like, it's, it, it, it really sucked to see them win this game. And, like, I saw the game. I didn't think they were playing super well. It was kind of gross. The offense was the was the Steelers' offense, as you could have guessed. And uh, this wasn't the best game. Alex Highsmith had a two-sack game. It was TJ Watt's first game back. He didn't do too much, but coming off that injury, didn't expect him to have a great debut game. But uh, not a fan of the win, not going to lie. Wish they lost. Really want Bryce Young. Really want Bryce Young. So stop winning games. Thank you. That's my PSA. Um, my Chargers are in a weird spot. I'm just gonna put this out there. Chargers are missing 17 players. I think it it's up to 19 or 20 now after two injuries to our starting defensive tackles last night. The injury um, bug just loves the Chargers last oh, yeah. season and this season. No, it's every season. Every season I've been a fan of the Chargers. There's a major injury. Get this, Max. The Chargers are missed, uh, like I said, 17 players. 12 of those, 12 are starters. The other five are those starters that are injured backups. Like, let that sink in for a bit. Um, we we were down to, we had no defensive line subs yesterday. And um, Kenneth Murray had like a con- concussion issue. He ended up coming back. Um our O line, we had Foster Sorrell, a guy that was undrafted, going one on one against Nick Bosa basically the entire game. Um, the Chargers played a brilliant first half, as good of a first half as possible, and they still lost this game. The offense couldn't click in the second half. Um, you know, Herbert didn't have time, and if you look at like the statistics of his wide receivers getting open, it was ridiculous. Those guys couldn't break off their routes. I mean, I saw people complaining about the, the play calling again is off, awful. Um, Trey McKitty, um, don't like him. We spent a third round pick on him or a third round compensatory pick on him. He's a bum. He dropped a touchdown pass. There was multiple other drop passes. Herbert was balling in the first half. Second half, not his greatest work. But again, the offense was folding. They keyed in on Josh Palmer. Uh, Gerald Everett got injured too. Um, Austin Keaton. It's it's so easy for a defense when you know Josh Palmer and Austin Eckler are their entire offense. Nobody else caught a pass. Trey McKinney caught one pass. Nobody else did. Richard, sorry, Richard Rogers caught one pass. That was it. So a defense as good as the 49ers is going to key in, key in on that, obviously. Actually, and, I'm just uh, seeing DeAndre Carter was their leading receiver last game. Oh, sorry. DeAndre Carter, but he had the one big catch. Oh and then he God. dropped, I think he dropped a p- pass too. And I don't even know who that is. So that should tell you something. Yeah. I mean, the injuries, the Chargers, and then they got to go back to prime time against the Chiefs. It's a nightmare here for the Chargers fans. The team should be so good. Herbert is still, it was good. I Herbert looked a little bit healthier this game, but I mean, this Chargers team needs to get healthy, and that that's about it. And that's my rant. Um, another NFL news, Jeff Saturday comes off the streets of high school, picks up his first win. Um, I like how he, he tweeted a couple of weeks ago, this Raiders team sucks or something like yeah, that. And then that. he beats the Raiders. Um, he had to hand away his fantasy football team. Uh, that was pretty funny. But Did he? Jeff. Oh, I guess he yeah. would have, Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Saturday, um, yeah, props to him. I don't think he's the coach of the future, to be completely honest, but uh, good for him. He could him be a, like an way. assistant to the future. Yeah, for sure. An offensive line coach, offensive run game, offensive coordinator. Um, other NFL news, Bills versus Vikings. 
that's a shame that game was not on prime time because that was the damn best game of the year. Justin Jefferson made the best catch. It was way better than OBJ's catch. And the shame about it, it wasn't on prime time, so it's not going to get shared as much. Yeah. Fourth and 16, I believe. And he mosses a dude with one hand all over him. That was one of the greatest catches in the history of the NFL. Yeah. That was astounding. Um, but yeah, it's a shame that game was not on TV. I mean, I guess it really was like the NFL trying. has had, they really missed with a lot of their primetime games this year, like really missed. Yeah. And uh, this would have been perfect. Nighters. Yeah. A lot of th- the Vikings are eight and one. Watch out. Yeah. How the hell did that happen? I don't know. Kirk has been me- mediocre, and that's what you need from Kirk Cousins on that team. Um, Justin their, Jefferson. Their offense is like just so elite, too, though. Yeah, you, like you got their line's been holding up a lot more this year, and uh, mm-hmm. the receiving cores amongst the best amongst the best in the league. And now with the equation, and then they have a great running back duo with with uh, Cook and Madison. And now with TJ Hawkinson, who's been balling with them, like sky, sky, sky's the limit for this Vikings team, honestly. Hey, and, and Green Bay didn't want to pay Zadarius Smith. Fuck you, Green Bay. Also, that defense, I think a lot of those guys are having bounce back years. Those vets on that defense led by Pat Patrick Peterson and obviously Smith that you mentioned. So yeah, and Dan, Daniel Hunter or Dan, Daniel, yeah, Daniel Hunter has had and, just like a, yeah. a great year and a good game. And oh, that Vikings team, it's all coming together. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, moving on to NHL really quick. I mean, we're going to fly by some of these sports so we can get to uh, the other part of the title um, of this episode. <laughs> but uh, the NHL, I mean, not much is happening, but Max, there, there's uh, there's some interesting things going on. I mean, last episode we touched on some teams. Uh, the Devils, uh, I saw Tristan Bendig, our friend, uh, couple of days ago uh his new jersey devils are uh one of the best teams in the nhl right now who would have thought we mentioned that um some some guys having big bounce back years and we're going to give some quick award predictions um we'll go with the the i guess the mvp for whatever reason i'm blanking on whatever it's called um jesus christ zach you're the a art? guy in Canada. art ross i think it's the art ross i didn't yeah. want to say it to me People no, the heart fun trophy? Of me, but the heart, I think so. I, I'm blanking right now, Max. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of ashamed of myself. I know the Vesna and the Norris, and yeah. I am ashamed of myself. But we're just going to call it the MVP. It's got to be Connor McDavid at this point. There's no question. And guess what? Yeah. The only guy that could maybe give him a run for his money is his teammate. Teammate, yeah. Like, yeah. I thought I thought Nathan McKinnon would have take that even bigger leap to becoming like the guy in the NHL. Um, so did I. Really, I, I really yeah. I, th- I thought it was going to be like, yeah, exactly. Like with McDavid well. and McKinnon, just like up, like up and down. Who 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 would have? It was kind of like a shot in the dark. Who was going to be like the player this year? And yeah. Austin Matthews, you know, he hasn't had the. He is obviously he's, he's been solid, up. but he he he, he hasn't had up. the best start to the year. No, he's picking up recently, but um, yeah. yeah, I mean that Colorado Avalanche team as a whole is kind of hasn't maybe that Stanley Cup hangover is in effect as it usually is, but yeah, uh, yeah Ran Tan and then I don't yeah, know how Mik- to pronounce his name. He's Mikko like Rantanen. he's like top five in points this year already. Yeah, Miko Rantanen, he's been balling out. Um, I have him on my fantasy team. You love to see that from Moose. Nice. Um, and then the Norris, um, the best defenseman. I think it's Eric Carlson. Who would have thought? I w- I wonder what those odds were. At Who would have thought? Season. He's like, back to Ottawa Senators. Eric Carlson. No, it's it's been it's been insane to see what w- w- what he's been able to do. I saw and also, a post, and I'm not sure if this is true anymore. But he had more goals than Johnny Gaudreau had points to start the year. Like, yeah. that's ridiculous. And Jonathan Hubert, but we're not talking about that right now. <laughs> yeah, but I think there's a comeback player. If oh man, I'm really slacking with the NHL awards right now. Is <laughs> if there is a comeback player of the year in the NHL, 
I think he wins that as well. I mean, usually they give it, I think they usually give it to like the guys that have overcome some adversity, usually in other sports. Um, but what he's done, I mean, some other guys, I mean, Adam Fox on the New York Rangers, he's definitely up there. And then Ras, Rasmus Dahlin from Buffalo, showing why he was the consensus number one pick a few years ago, um, really turning it on. I mean, his skating and puck work, and then obviously his offensive production. That Buffalo Sabres team is turning it on too. And Tage uh, Thompson doing, is yeah, Tage looking Thompson. to be an all-star. Yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of funny though that Jack Eichel returned there and got a hat trick. And Jack Eichel, again, comeback player. He, no he's kidding. looking like the Jack, Jack Eichel of old. That Vegas team. The people were sleeping on them, counting them out, and they're proving why they they're a damn good team. Alex Petrangelo back there, I'm manning the point. I mean, their goaltending situation looks to be fine. And then I'll go go to my Vesna early prediction. Linus Allmark from the Boston Bruins leads the league in wins. I think is second in goals against average. Who would have thought? I don't. I'm thought? like I'm not even playing here. I don't even know who that is. Yeah, and exactly. And that Boston Bruins team, been a wagon to start the year. Been an absolute wagon. David Pasternak, he's up there for the MVP case. He absolutely is. So, I think, Max, do you uh, disagree with any of my picks? I don't. I do think... um... Uh, not like I'm not I'm not calling recency bias or anything, but I do think that a bunch of the players who are kind of slow to start the year, you know, those like perennial, like almost guaranteed Hall of Famers, they'll start picking it up more recently because, mm-hmm. you know, I think you, you can kind of see this in any sport, you know, the Eric Carlson's of the world and like the Bruins goal. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, you know, like they shine and like like no, no shade towards them. They've had a great start to the year. But I think guys like Matthews, like McKinnon, like Bobrovsky and 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 um um uh Vasilevsky and and Chester Keen, I like like all those guys. Um I think those are the guys who will like step up and be like consistent, consistent all year round. Mm-hmm. So I don't disagree with that, but I will say that I've always really liked B- Bobrovsky. And so I'm going to take a big swing here and say that Bobrovsky is going to get the uh, Vesna. Fair enough. I mean, I mean, Spencer Knight is in there. Uh, I mean, it'll be hard for Bobrovsky to, I guess, get those big wins, but a save percentage and goals against could definitely do it. Um, yeah. Got to get those wins though. You're right. Yeah, we're not even a quarter into the NHL season, so a lot can happen. But, Max, I do want to point out, this is an NHL talk, but this is hockey talk. The Saskatoon Blades played the Regina Pats. Connor Bedard came here. The attendance spiked. Like, yeah. it's crazy. It was, like, almost 8,000 people. People were in the second deck of a Blades game. That never really? happens. They, that never happens in nope. a Blades game. The Blades ended up beating the Regina Pats, but that got me thinking, I am so excited. The snow is falling. I'm so excited for the World Juniors to be back. Be back. Oh, I'm so excited. Finally, and- it's like, um, as we said, the World Cups were never the same when they were in summer. They always have a different vibe when they're in winter. They're, they're a part of that Christmas tradition. If you live in Canada and you're part of that hockey culture and that hockey world, it's 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 a part of your holidays. You absolutely love it, and uh, I'm I know I've I've never I've never been this excited for for World Juniors than I am this year. I'll 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 tell you that. We'll definitely have to give a throwback to see our episode three and uh, maybe do a World Junior preview, especially with a lot of guys that me and Oakley have actually played against, skated with. Yeah. So, will definitely happen. But uh, transition. You never shared here. the ice with Bedard, hey? No, I never with Bedard, but like Height and Jaeger, I played with them. And then yep. Lambert, if he comes back for the World Juniors, obviously. And there's a there's definitely probably a couple other guys that I'm forgetting, which is really cool. No, that is super cool. Yeah. But uh moving into the NBA talk, Max. Um, the Nets have a new coach. Joel Embiid is a god, and he almost ruined my fantasy week against you. Um kick us off. What, what do you want to talk about in the NBA? Uh, well, we'll get, we'll get fantasy over with, uh, so Zach's Zach's fantasy team is, it's good. That's all that you can really say about it. It's good. It's really, really good. And we play each other this week. And just so everyone knows, these are the players that I have out right now. 
Cole Anthony, Mitchell Robinson, Kyrie what? Irving, and Kawhi Leonard. I want to preface that by saying that if my team's fully healthy, which is a big part of fantasy, you know, guys not being healthy, you want to get you want to get durability. That's not it's not an excuse. But if my team's fully healthy, I think I have the best team in the league. I'm just saying. I also got Shy, who isn't injured, but who's just being an absolute dog for the Thunder. I picked yeah. up Lou Dort, dog. I picked the up Dortchard uh, Chamber. What? The Dortchard Chamber. Exactly. Oh, that's a good. That's actually that's a good nickname. I've never, I've never heard that one before. And uh, I picked up Bogdanovich, Isaiah Stewart. I've had to pick up a lot of these slow, small guys because my IR is full already. It's been disappointing. But MB finally had his breakout game. 115 fantasy points for me. And I still lost. How does that happen? How does that happen? I still lost. I had a good week. Like, like for my starters being out, I had a better week than I thought I would. But that SGA was really had 71 too. Joel and B gave me that when it just didn't matter at all. Not one bit. SGA so, had 71 as well, Max. He did. On no, the same my day. guys started to go off as soon as it didn't matter anymore. As soon as you're already 300 points in the lead. So that but was disappointing. You love but, to uh, see that. But we've, we've had a lot of uh, really big basketball games like from players that have come up recently. Darius Garland scored 51. Last night, too, you know, that was his first big game back since the beginning of the season. He was he was uh, off the beginning with uh, with an ankle injury, I believe. And Joel, like I'll, I'll I'll read you Joel's stat line from last night. Fifty nine points. Eleven rebounds, eight assists, seven blocks. That is going down as one of the best games in NBA history. That's yeah. crazy. People don't realize he was three blocks, two assists, and a point away from a 60-point quadruple double. <laughs> what? what? That is insane. I have been swearing at Embiid to start the season because he started off pretty shit. I am I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Hopefully, he'll put up more games like this, but that was absolutely insane. Huge shout out to Embiid. He is. Uh, I don't know if he's better than Jokic. He's obviously consensus top two center, but he might be better than Jokic. This game, that was a career game for Embiid. That was crazy. Yeah. I mean, lots of big games in the NBA. And then Max, I just want to get your thoughts of the, the net signing or I guess hiring. Um Former Boston Celtics bench boss here. Can never pronounce his name right. Uh, Ime Udoku? Yeah. So he's actually not the coach of the team. Oh, he, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. So, so this was in discussion for a long time. And everyone thought he was going to be the coach. And then uh, guys in the Nets or people in the Nets organization, and I think some of the players came forward and were like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's a scumbag. And it was like, okay, if they're getting that much negative attention from not even hiring the guy, from him just being like listed on the on the short list of coaches, then yeah. I think that went out the window really quick. Joe Say, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but the GM of the Nets, um, I don't think he wanted that. The Nets already have so much drama and attention pointed at them. I think they needed a chill coach who just knows the fundamental games. And uh, that's that's who their new coach is. That that, that that's Jacques Vaughn, and um. I really like him. He's mild manner. He reminds me a lot of Monty Williams, actually, in his coaching style, his demeanor and everything around the bench. He's got that passion. He's got that heart. And uh, it's about drive. It's about power. We got remember that old rock song that was famous no, for a month. No, let's cut that out um, of the episode. But <laughs> I, I think that kind of sums out uh, NBA. I mean, again, like the NHL, we're so early into the season. It's hard to do some stuff. Don't want, to, don't, don't want to make too many predictions or anything like that, too. Because Yeah, uh, look look for more of those prediction-based episodes maybe during, I'd say, Christmas break. I feel like you get a World, so. World Juniors episode into it and uh, other stuff. But MLB, free agency kicked off. Obviously, we had the championship be decided not that long ago. Um, some Some – I mean, Clayton Kershaw staying with LA Dodgers, I think, is a big deal just for his 
I think career-wise, I mean, we're at we're almost at the end here. Him sticking with the team that he's been with for the whole time, I think, is kind of a big deal. And especially if he went to somewhere that would compete with LA for a World Series, I think would would have been a huge deal. So it, it's kind of cool to see the the Texas natives stay in LA um, as well. G Man Choi goes to the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm really confused about that trade. I mean, I I heard and saw that the the Rays are looking to create some cap space. They're in desperate need. Obviously, they're not a huge market and need as much cap space as possible. I saw a guy like Tyler Glass now could be traded. And knowing the Rays, he will be probably traded for the next Mike Trout because everybody that they seem to trade away becomes garbage on that team. And whoever the prospects are, turn into all-stars and then they trade them out and then the cycle happens and then the Rays are contenders every year. So, I mean, G Mancho, a big contract, uh, big bat um, goes to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's in a weird situation. They are not good. Um, I don't know why they took on G Mancho's contract. Maybe I'm missing something. Obviously we're not big baseball guys, but uh, those are the two big moves and, Obviously, MLB free agency teams can now sign players. So there's going to be some big moves in the next couple of weeks and months. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah, be prepared for that because that's the this this free agency is going to come hot and heavy. It's it's going to be wild. But uh, I actually like the G-Man Choi contract because, you know, the I think I think that the Penguins are going to try at least. And um, pirates, pirates. <laughs> Wrong, wrong sport, same city. The Pirates are yeah. going to, I think they're going to try to compete this year a bit as much as they can. I think they're tired of giving their fans losing seasons. So you have G-Man Choi to, to manage first base. You know, he brings that offense and a bit of defense. And then they have, in my opinion, the best prospect in all of baseball. Uh, what's his name? The shortstop. The what? Oh, the shortstop. Oh, uh, the yes. six seven shortstop, which is yes, insane. yes, 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 yes. O'Neill. Thank you, Cruz O'Neill. Yeah, yeah. Cruz O'Neill. I don't know if that's his actual name, but it's something O'Neill. It's- oh, I'll, I'll call him O'Neill. So yeah, O'Neill is their six seven shortstop. If you look at this man play, he's not getting a whole lot of attention. Why? Because he's on the Pirates. If you look at this man play, it is ridiculous. Ridiculous! The skill that this guy has. Oh, I, it's oh, it's O'Neill Cruz. Oh, okay. It's O'Neill Cruz. I I searched it up. Apparently, that's weird, but that's kind of a dope name at the same time. But he is like just fantastic. He is, and I think like 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 hot take like m- 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 might be really hot take. I think he might go down if he stays healthy as one of the most skilled baseball players of all time because if you look at him his mechanics his fundamentals he can do everything at every level it's ridiculous what this man can do I mean they also have I believe obviously they've had top prospects for being really bad the past couple years I mean I'm pretty sure they have a a stud catcher that's in the system that might have been the first overall pick a couple years ago I could be wrong third overall pick um yeah I mean Pittsburgh's in a weird spot. They're they're in a rebuild, but they're kind of not at the same time. It's, it's a weird predicament, but I think that's enough baseball talk. We're flying through. We're 50 minutes into the episode, Max, and maybe the biggest sporting event of all time that happens. we got to talk about it, even though we don't know much about it. The World Cup is, is happening oh. in a couple of days. Um, yep. I'm actually not sure when the official start date is, but I think it's an even bigger deal that our home country is in it for the first time in forever. And we actually have a pretty good, like not obviously not of the England of the world and stuff like that, but a pretty damn good team yeah. led by Alfonso, Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David. Yeah. Well, like one thing that people don't realize is like to get to the world cup after not being in it for four years, your team needs you can't it's not just filling out a form like your team needs to be recognized on that global scale like if you look at teams like i don't know i don't know what teams in there but like serbia let's say serbia has been in there for 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 20 years right if they're continuously in that great cup in that cycle all it doesn't matter how bad their team is they're already involved in that system while canada has been out for how 
how long until Canada was in there last? I don't even know. I don't like even know. 40 years, I think. Like, I think it's been absolutely crazy. And so Canada needs to get recognized by a lot of people and recognized very, very highly. And that's what Canada's been doing. And I love Alfonso Davies. I'm excited to see him uh, see him represent Canada. I'm excited to see Canada on the pitch. It'll be, a, it'll be a fun time. It'll be probably the only time I ever watch a game of soccer. But... Uh, but yeah, that's it's it's big news for Canadians, and I think Canadians are kind of sleeping on it, honestly. I mean, Canadian soccer is at an all-time high. I mean, our women's team just won gold at the last Olympics. And uh, I woke up at I told this story on the podcast. I woke up at like six a.m. to watch that game. Went into penalty kicks. Yeah, amazing. I freaked out over women's soccer. Like, <laughs> so it's a big deal. I mean, Alfonso Davies revenge tour. I wanted to mention this. His girlfriend of lots of years. He'd do his celebration. He'd kiss his wrist for how many years his girlfriend and him were together. Jordan, I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it, her, na- her name. She won a gold medal at the last. They were a power couple in soccer, Canadian soccer. They broke up. She's now with Julio Rodriguez of the Seattle Mariners. They just confirmed her a couple, a couple of weeks ago. Alfonso Davies' revenge tour starts here. He is going to lead Canada to the extreme heights revenge tour over Belgium, over Morocco. I don't even know who the other team is <laughs> that that's in their pool. Doesn't matter. Canada all the way, baby. Yeah. Is it Bel? Is it Belgium and Morocco or two of the teams? Yeah. Belgium, Morocco, and then um, some other team. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to get too, uh, I'm not trying to get too spicy or anything, but. That's an easy win for Canada. I think Belgium is probably their their hardest competition. And the team that I'm forgetting is also pretty good. Um, I'm forgetting. Oh, Croatia. Croatia is also Damn, Croatia is actually good. Yeah. So I think Belgium is like ranked one and it's kind of Croatia and then Canada and then Morocco. That's kind of the predictions from all the people that know a lot more about soccer than me. But uh, yeah. Hopefully Canada plays Morocco. Yeah, well, beats them, I would hope. I mean, yeah, I don't know what will happen. I'd rather um, them play Morocco though than 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 uh Croatia or well they play they all it's in, they're in their pool. They have to play everybody. Oh, do they? I see see, I don't understand how soccer works. <laughs> see, I'm already confusing everyone. But um we 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 don't want to make this episode too long. That was our quick little soccer preview. But yeah. we're gonna go into one of the most amazing UFC events, like in my opinion, that I've ever witnessed. This was one of the first UFC events that I actually like sat down, watched, watched. Some, I didn't watch any of them because I didn't want to pay the money, but I watched some highlights from the fights. And uh, I knew, I knew actually a fair amount of people who were, who were fighting at 281. That was at MSG. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. That's why the card was so fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, it was a great card. And we, I got, we got to start it off by talking about Israel Adesanya losing to Alex Perios. That was insane. Yeah, Alex Pereira. I mean the boogeyman. Pereira, thank you. Uh, the boogeyman in his Israel Adesanya's career. It was almost like watching Kamara Usman versus Leon uh, Edwards two all over again. The dominant champ is up three to one on all the scorecards, and then gets slapped in the fifth and final round. That's three times now in this span that a champion has been up three one on the scorecards and lost in the fifth round. He had Glover against Yuri, and then obviously Usman and Leon too. I mean, that fight was a very technical fight. I mean, big moments. Israel had Alex really, really hurt at the end of the first round. If there's 10 more seconds there, he's probably out cold. Um, that that was a, a big, I guess, moment if there was 10 more seconds. Um, then Alex comes out swinging in round two. Uh, wins that round even they started grappling at one point that was insane to high level kickboxers grappling not very high technical grappling skills but they're still grappling um it was just insane um my I mean I was watching on my little app um I don't want to get caught and go to jail but <laughs> I was watching it in my bed and I was just going oh my god it's gonna happen because he got hit and he got rocked. I'm like, it's going to yeah. happen. It's going to happen. And he gets hit another time. 
Then he gets hit by the uppercut and falls forward like this. I'm like, oh my God, it's going to happen. Then he stumbles and then he's like, like this. I'm like, it happened. And people saying, bad stoppage, let him go out. If Israel wasn't even looking for the last four punches that connected, yeah. if that fight kept on going on, I mean, he said, go, let me go on my, on my shield. But the, Israel said it wasn't even a bad stoppage. Mark Goddard's one of the best in the business. I trust his judgment. Um, yeah, that was a wild fight. And yeah, and then um, I'm, again, I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge MMA guy, but Israel Adesanya is my favorite, is my favorite fighter. So I was disappointed to see that, but at the same time, you don't want to see the same guy win over and over and over and over. And Izzy finally got his uh, second loss of his career to the how? What's what's Alex Pereira? What like what's his record? Oh, I think it's only seven and one now, or something like that. Like, look at that! Like four and zero oh in the UFC. I think he was three and one coming in. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy how we got fast tracked, and it opened up. It opens up the division a lot. They can do maybe Alex Pereira versus Rob Whitaker. Probably, they probably do the rematch first, though. I think that that's a billion dollar fight, basically huge, huge fight. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting, but then. I know we don't have that much time. Quickly go into the co co main event, Zhang Wiley. I mean, I wouldn't say destroys, but pretty dominantly beats uh, Carla Esparza. Um, Carla Esparza, known for her good wrestling, but she gets out grappled and submitted by Zhang Wiley. She's just an extraordinary athlete. I think we see her versus Rose part three um, next for the belt. Um, Zhang Weili, super athlete. Everybody loves her. Um, great personality for not even speaking English. Me and Oakley talked about it. I sometimes those translators do wonders for those people's career and they make them such a good, um, I guess, entertainment. And then quickly, my guy, Michael Chandler. Oh, what a fight with Dustin Poirier. Um, the fight of the night, obviously, uh, be a top four contender i would say i think I, I like a couple more fights uh this that that have happened this year over that but uh what a fight chandler don't start dominating the first round has poirier hurt look like he's gonna knock him out along the fence shoots for a double leg takes him down starts beating on him and then all of a sudden poirier like hurts hurts like badly badly hurts basically steals the round in the last 40 seconds. Again, if there's probably 10 more seconds in that round, Chandler's done. He's finished. Then Chandler takes out his Div 1 uh, Missouri wrestling skills, takes Poirier down at the start of the round after hitting him, connecting with a couple of good shots, takes him down, wins the round. Could have been 10-8. So we're 1-1 heading into the third round. Chandler, it was almost like deja vu. Picks up Poirier, like Superman style, slams him it's it was deja vu of the gaiji fight where he slams him but he loses position and poirier gets his gets him into his guard gets his back um then submits chandler chandler's never been submitted i was heartbroken um i thought chandler fought a great fight kind of gassed himself out and then the low iq fighting um the the low like the low fight iq from chandler rears its ugly head again it happened in the Gaethje fight it happened in the Oliver fight and then happens again I'm not sure where I think Chandler is going to fight Michael or uh, McGregor once he comes back I think he wants that I think it's going to happen probably at 170 Poirier I think probably fights Benil Dariush for a number one contenders fight uh, we saw Islam Makachev and the number one pound for pound fighter Alex Volkanovsky moving up a weight class they're going to be fighting for the belt in Perth. So that's going to be a major card. The number one and number two pound for pound fighters in the world going at it. Um, yeah. I mean, then we had Frankie Edgar, the legend. He got his career ended by a vicious flying knee put out cold by Chris Gutierrez. Emotional night for Chris Gutierrez. His head coach recently found out he has kidney cancer. Um, it, I mean, yeah, I mean, emotional, emotional night for those two competitors. I mean, Frankie, a legend of the sport, knocked out cold right in front of his friend's family. His kids were there. Tough, tough scenes. Um, 
shout out Frankie Edgar and his, 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 his historic career, an absolute legend, Hall of Famer. And then to round out the main card, my guy Dan Hooker rebounds against Claudio Pulas in a weird fight. Pulas almost gets his famous knee bar. And then Hooker gets out. He's kind of laughing at him, playing with him. Turns back the clock to the old Dan Hooker that we all know and love, the sniper. Snipes him from range, the six-foot-tall, 155-er. Then body kick, body kick, good night. See you later, Dan Hooker. Uh, looks like the Dan Hooker of old. It looks like the time off and getting back with his coaches really paid dividends. Um, I'll quickly round out the card here. Um, Meatball Molly got killed by Aaron Blanchfield. Aaron Blanchfield, mark my words, you can hear it here first on this podcast. She is a future title challenger. She's only 23 years old. She's a future title challenger. Killed Meatball Molly. Me and Oakley were talking about it. It was like 104 ground strikes to zero. Like it was gross. Was my is guy, Meatball Molly her name? Her nickname, yeah. Okay. I'm like, I would have been a mean childhood if her name first name was <laughs> fucking Meatball. No, no, she's she's sponsored by the bar stool with uh, Patty the Batty as well. But yeah, oh, she is those. she is she um uh English? Yeah, yeah, she's from oh she's England. oh I, I know she's who a scouser, she she's lost? a scouser. Yeah, she got killed. Oh shit. Um, also my guy Dominic Reyes. I thought he was gonna be back, back to the guy that should have beat John Jones on the scorecards. He got smoked by Ryan Spent. And that was depressing as all hell. Um, Ryan Spann then comes out and says he's never trained before his fights until this one. I call BS on that. I mean, Oakley, I mean, but he looked like an absolute killer. I mean, Dominic Reyes, I'm not sure what happens to the guy. Should have been 13-0, just beat John Jones. And now he's lost four straight by vicious knockouts. Well, three by vicious knockouts, one on the scorecards. I'm not sure where he goes. Then my guy that I bet on, Ottoman Izaitar, my big bet that I actually thought was going to hit, gets creamed by Matt Frivola in the first round. And then and then this USC event tied the record for most first round finishes with seven. I mean, Matt, uh, uh, what's his name? Trezona, the lone wolf, and Choi had double knock- knockdowns. Carlos Allberg, the city kickboxing guy, gets a finish. I mean, what an, what an event. I'm the next UFC events could be even better, but uh, I think that wraps it up for UFC 280 in that talk. Yeah, just an, an incredible card with some great, uh, great athletes. And he, you, you know, it's a big card when I know more than just the main event. So, so that was that, 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 that was a good first event to start watching UFC at. Me and you got to watch an event together, Max. We do, we could live stream it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I want to thank you all for tuning in for this week's episode of Well Placed Cuss. Uh, I guess uh, next will be the big 4-0. This is number 39. But uh, stay tuned next week. Thanks for listening. And a huge shout-out for Betstamp for sponsoring. And a huge shout-out for you for listening. Alrighty, You guys uh, have a good week. We'll see you next week. Oh,